0: I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad to smile with you a bit, and uh, you have welcomed me, and you've smiled at me and spoken to me and wished me well. And I am recovered. I haven't had a fever in a week, so 10 feet away from me is good. So. But we're going to do what we are supposed to do today, and worship the Lord and declare Him and all of His goodness and thankfulness and all that we enjoy as Christian people. Now, I have to tell you, just to give you a background of what I'm going to share with you today, that the three weeks that we spent with Nehemiah in this City of Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls, and the passion that I saw in that godly man impacted me and touched me very deeply. And I thought, my goodness, here was this man who had never lived in Jerusalem, had never been a part of that city, but he was a part of God. And God was a part of him, and he was a man of passion and of prayer. And we saw what that produced as he went to Jerusalem to lead out in the rebuilding of the walls and the gates around the city. And I have spent time thinking about that and thinking about that and living in that and wondering and, in fact, praying Don, do you have that kind of passion? And if I don't, i got to tell you, with God's help, I'm working on it. Because I saw in what Nehemiah did for that city something very, very special. And so the sermon that I'm going to share with you this morning has come from that I will say inspiration from Nehemiah and his passion. Because I'm going to preach a sermon on a city today. Now, I've got to tell you, maybe you've heard sermons on cities. I had never heard a sermon on a city. I had never preached a sermon on a city. But today I'm going to preach a sermon on Jerusalem the city of God, and I pray that you will see that it is God's city, and Jerusalem has been with us for 3,000 years, and Jerusalem will be with us for all of eternity, and it is the power and the presence of Almighty God, and it is truly Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, the first time we come across this city was in 1010 BC. David, King David, conquered Jerusalem. And he moved into Jerusalem, and at that point, Jerusalem took on two names, basically. One was Jerusalem, the city of David, and you've heard it called that many, many times. And the other name was Jerusalem, the city of God. And for our purposes today, I'm going to focus on the latter of those two. And then, pretty soon after that, David's son, a man by the name of Solomon, became king and ruler in Jerusalem. And what did Solomon do? What was the main contribution in the city from King Solomon? He built a temple, a place for Almighty God to be worshipped. And that temple was magnificent. And so Jerusalem started off with great power, with great positiveness, But you also know that there was much turmoil in Jerusalem over the many, many years. Now, I have to tell you now, I did not count this, but in my research as I prepared for this sermon, I came across a figure that said that Jerusalem, the city, is mentioned in Scripture 800 times. Now, that's an amazing figure. And like I say, I didn't take the time to count it, and I trust whoever uh, resources that I looked at, and they said 800 times. But I know it's mentioned over and 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 over. 800 times. Now, there's another fact I want you to remember about Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been surrounded and attacked over the years, over and over and over. They have had enemies completely surrounding them. And there has been much against Jerusalem. Now, remember, it's the city of God. Now, why, and I want you to think about this, to answer this question, why is Jerusalem mentioned 800 times in Scripture. And why is it attacked and opposed and annihilated some, destroyed some, over and over and over and over? Well, I think the answer to those two questions of why 800 times and why so much opposition is because... God has a very, very special plan and is using Jerusalem to further his kingdom and to give you and I hope as we move through our lives. And Satan does not want that to happen. Now, if you feel like that Satan is just an idea that somebody dreamed up, Please let me encourage you to realize the reality of Satan. Because he is alive and well and he wants to attack. And he wants to destroy anything and everything that God wants to do. It's part of the fact, the reality of our lives. There is God and there is Satan. There is peace and goodness And there's chaos and turmoil and destruction. God is the author of peace, and Satan is the author of chaos and destruction. And so now, Jerusalem, the city of God, goes through all sorts of things. And we know that it has been destroyed. There have been enemies. We saw that with Nehemiah. We saw Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. We saw the fact that, that they were opposed to Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls. But there were so many enemies around Jerusalem. But did God ever give up on Jerusalem? No. Not only did he not give up, but in the midst of a lot of turmoil and a lot of destruction, Nebuchadnezzar destroying The city, the temple, the walls in 586 B.C., just one of many, many destructions. But in the midst of all of those destructions, God continued to send his prophets to prophesy positiveness, to prophesy hopefulness, to prophesy the future, to prophesy even beyond the future to prophesy that in God's plan, there was a promise for Jerusalem, the city of God. And in fact, in the midst of all of this, we come face to face with the fact that Jesus was coming into the world as a Messiah 2,000 years ago. But not only that, but Jesus was coming back again. And I want us to move through our thoughts here this morning to look at some of the prophecies and some of the statements, some of the promises that God has given to his people. In the midst of Jerusalem being the city of God, I want you to listen to these scripture passages. Because in the 800 B.C. era, The the prophet Isaiah said this about Jerusalem. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hands, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your name, the name of your land, desolate, but you will be called Hesperza and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married as a young man marries a maiden, so you'll. Will your sons marry you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride? So will your God rejoice over you, Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, when I read some of these prophecies, I want you to realize that there are promises in these prophecies that are not yet fulfilled. Now, that's a very important fact when we think about Jerusalem as the city of God. Because it points to the fact that although Jesus has come as Messiah, as Savior and Lord, that he has not yet come as King of kings and Lord of lords. But he is going to come. And that's part of what these say. In the 600 B.C., the prophet Jeremiah says this. He says, return faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. And then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, men will no longer say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It will never even enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. Listen very carefully to this next statement. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. No longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. In those days, the house of Judah will join the house of Israel and together they will come from a northern land to the land I have given your forefathers as an inheritance. Now I want you to think about that and go back and let me read that one sentence again. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. Now is that going on even in present day? No. Think about the enemies that are surrounding Jerusalem today. Think about Jordan and Syria and Iraq and Iran and Lebanon. And what about those organizations, Hezbollah and Hamas and Islamic jihadists? Jerusalem is surrounded by enemies and there are attacks and wars going on but here 600 years before Jesus Christ it says that at that time they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord what a promise now when we talk about God's promises Please understand that God does not make empty promises. God's promises are true and real, and they are going to be fulfilled. Some of them have already been fulfilled, but not all of them. For you and me as Christian people, for the Jewish people, there are still promises that are to be. Jeremiah goes on to say there in the 600 B.C. time. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them out of the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. There is going to become a time in God's plan of perfection for God's people the chosen people the elect that is the Jewish people and the elect that is you and me we are all chosen as his people and we will come to a time when he returns of perfection and he's going to return Jerusalem the city of God that's what all this is about one more very important prophecy and this is in the fifth chapter BC from the prophet uh, Zechariah and it says then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights the day of battle on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And will be the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley. With half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquakes in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord will, God will come, and all the holy ones with him. Jesus Christ is coming again. On that day there will be no light, no cold, nor frost. It will be a uni- unique day without daytime or nighttime. A day known to the Lord when evening comes, there will be a light. On that day, living water will flow from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea and half to the western sea, in the summer and in winter. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. The whole land from Sebs to Ruman south of Jerusalem, will become like the Arabah. But Jerusalem will be raised up and remain in its place from the Benjamin Gate to the site of the first gate to the corner gate and the, from the Tower of Hananel to the Royal Wine Press. It will be inhabited never again, and it never will be destroyed. Jerusalem will be secure. Now, all during the Old Testament, These promises were made. Because God had plans for this city, Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And you know, we know how much took place in and around Jerusalem. In the New Testament. In fact, we're coming up close to what I'll call the first Christmas. I love Christmas, and we're going to celebrate it together. It will be fun, exciting, meaningful, inspirational. And you know that Jesus Christ, as a baby, was born in Bethlehem. Now, what has that got to do with Jerusalem? Do you know where Bethlehem is? Five miles from Jerusalem. How much to you and me is five miles? I drove 50 miles this morning. (laughs) Bethlehem is like a little suburb to the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, the city of God, has been there for all of those hundreds of years. And now Jesus is born right in that region, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one that we worship and adore and serve and commit ourselves to. And now he's right there in the Jerusalem region. We know two things about him when he was a child. Both of them have to do with the temple in Jerusalem. The first thing we know is that eight days of age, he was taken by his parents for worship, for dedication to Jerusalem, the city of God. The other thing we know is, is that they went for festival when he was 12 years old, and he left his parents, went about what he called the father's business, and he encountered The teachers of the law there in the temple. Twelve-year-old Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, the city of God. Think about all the ministry, all the teaching, all the events, all the activities that Jesus was involved in around Jerusalem. Now, he was in the other regions of Israel at that time, but much of his time was spent in in Jerusalem and he met there with his disciples and he taught them and he worshiped with them and he fellowshiped with them and they faced many trials and many confrontations with the Pharisees in Jerusalem, in the temple, in the city of God and in all of that Jesus teaches us And he shows us how we are to live there in Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, I want you to remember a couple of very specific things that happened with Jesus. The night before he was crucified, Jesus sat with his people, and now Jesus becomes the prophet. Because Jesus says, you've trusted in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I have to go. And if it were not so, I would tell you, but I have to go. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, and as surely as I go, I am going to return. Now, think, please, with me. I have a friend who is a former Assembly of God's pastor. And one of his main burdens that he shares with me often is he said, churches do not talk about Jesus Christ coming again. And I got to thinking about that. And really, that's part of why I wanted to preach this sermon today. Because I think my friend is correct. Now, we do so many good things related to God's plan and to God's scriptures and to God's truth. But do you think about? Do you look forward to? Do you want it to happen that Jesus Christ would come again? Now, I hope you say yes to that. I say yes to that. Yes, Jesus, please come. Now, I don't know how it's all going to happen, but I know that Jesus looked at his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he says, you've trusted in God, trust also in me. I've got to go away. But there are many, many places in God's kingdom for us. And he said, I'm going to come back and get you. Do you realize how special you are? Do you realize that you're part of his family? You're his sisters and his brothers. And he wants you and I to be together where he is. And he has promised us that. And that is such a special promise. Now, there was another place where Jesus was a prophet in the New Testament. Now, this place is not nearly as comforting sometimes as trust in God, you've trusted in me. I'm going to come back to get you. Yes, that's very comforting. But this other place where Jesus was a prophet The disciples asked him about when was the kingdom of God going to come on this earth. And Jesus launched in to a complete description of some very, very difficult times. And I want to read some of what Jesus said related to that. He is saying that there is going to be a tribulation. That there's going to be difficult times at the end of days. There's going to be difficult times before he comes back. But it's all in preparation for him coming back. I don't know how that's going to happen. There are all sorts of theories related to that. I'm not going to talk a great deal about it today, but I am going to read this prophecy from Jesus himself about his return because... He is saying to his disciples here, they're in Jerusalem. This is toward the end of his ministry. And he says, related to the tribulation, I pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now. Great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equal again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. If that were possible, see, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, do not go out or here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there is vultures will gather. And immediately after the distress of those days, now listen very carefully. Because Jesus Christ, in Matthew 24, that's where this is located, he's saying that the distress will be unequaled and that it has never been of that magnitude before. But then he says, immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. Listen very carefully to all you people that will answer the trumpet call. It says, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, I believe that that gathering is for you and me. I believe that that will happen when Jesus Christ steps out into the eastern sky. And there will not be any secrecy about this. Jesus himself said, As the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What a glorious, glorious time when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes to this earth again, to the city of God, Jerusalem. To the Mount of Olives where he is predicted to stand and to fight. Because there will be a fight. There will be a war of some sort. And I do not know all the particulars there. But I do know this. Listen carefully. God is in charge. Jesus will be there. And we win. Amen. We win. And this is the hope that we have in the second coming as Jesus comes back to Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, to finish this up, I take you to the powerful statement in the 19th chapter of Revelation. And it says that I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse. Whose riders call faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him. That no one but he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe. Dipped in blood and his name is is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written king of kings and lord of lords. The first Christmas he came as a little baby in a manger. The second Christmas he's going to come as the king of kings and the lord of lords. An absolute and total victory for you and me as he comes back for us. And finally, because of this victory, Because of Jerusalem, the city of God, that has been, is now, and will always be be with us. Because of the power of Jesus Christ and the promises that he has made over the hundreds of years. This is what's going to happen. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now listen carefully. The world is not going to come to an end. There's been so much misconception about that. Scripture says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the kingdom of God coming to this earth for you and me because of the return of Jesus Christ. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. First, earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new new Jerusalem. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Now I want that to sink in for a little bit. I hope, I pray, that we think about that, that we believe that, that we find hope in that, that we are trusting that this is true. Now, the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things Has passed away. Now where is this going to take place? In the new Jerusalem. The city of God. Because Jesus is going to come back. For you and me. Now. I believe we have a song on a video. Am I correct Scott? Uh. All I could say to you is come back at 11 o'clock and you get to hear a powerful song. But this is a powerful message because it is a message from God. It is a message from God's Word. It is a message about the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, the city of God. And so right now, we don't have to have a song We have God's Spirit, and we have the truth of God's Word, so I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads and think in silence and in meditation for a minute or two about Jerusalem, the city of God, and it becoming the new Jerusalem for you and me. Jesus, what a joy it is to think about the power of you, the love that you have for us as your people, the consistency over hundreds and hundreds of years, the hope of eternity, the hope of perfection and peacefulness and newness, in and through your plan and through your presence in our life. What a joy it will be to lay aside all the burdens of this world. All of the chaos that Satan has brought into life. Into the struggles of this world. Into the struggles of us individually. And families and churches and Society, where you would come back to the new Jerusalem, to your city, to rule and to reign and to bring about peace, joy, and security. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the word that you give us. That is real and powerful and it inspires us it moves us it motivates us we worship you we love you we come as your people to say thank you thank you thank you for your wonderful and beautiful plans always And we pray in your wonderful and gorgeous and beautiful name. Amen.